Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, boys. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of MLS Gone Wild and Game Day 12 of the MLS's Back Tournament. This is Blem, and hope everyone is enjoying the action thus far. This is Mike D. It's been an exciting couple weeks in the MLS's back tournament. Excited tonight to discuss what is to come in the knockout rounds. Tonight we're missing Poopus. He is out uh, for family matters, but he will be back with us next week. Yeah, uh, being a stay-at-home father can't be an easy job. We're also trying to do a podcast. I can't imagine we're not fathers. So shouts, shouts to Poopus. Uh, for all the hard work that he does. A lot of times you guys that are listening get to hear Donovan, a.k.a. Donnie, on the podcast, him crying in the background. And we sometimes we have to tell Poopus to put his, you know, his, his uh, audio on mute. But, you know, uh, shout out to Poopus for doing what he does. It's, it's, it's been a tough go for him uh, just trying to record. But Poopus has got the week off. He's, his wife just got back from um, her military uh, duties and they're spending some time together so we're here without him today other than that uh shout out to kellen acosta we just had kellen acosta on the podcast last week and what we considered a post-game interview if you guys haven't listened yet go give her a listen on apple spotify anchor wherever you guys listen to podcasts he highlighted some things uh we interviewed him right after the they lost a uh, real uh, real salt lake uh, so he highlighted some of the things that they could have done better and some of the things that they uh, needed to look to do better in the game against Sporting Kansas City, which was the game last night that they ended up losing 3-2. to two. Kellen Acosta scored the opening goal in the sixth minute. We'll get more into that later. Seems like since the season has returned, you know, we, we bring a player in that's playing in a game soon, and he scores a goal, so... Uh, if there's any players that are listening to this podcast, if you want to get buckets in the future, let us know. We'll bring you on the podcast, and you should score a goal. So, like we're saying, MLS is back. Uh, right before we hopped onto this podcast, I guess Mike Flame just informed me I'm in a room with no TV, but San, excuse me, San Jose just scored a goal. Espinosa just scored a goal against Chicago Fire. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an awkward point in Group B. Uh, San Jose, it's their third game. Chicago, it's only their second. Vancouver still only played one. So we're in a weird point. But right now, we're 12 days into MLS's back. Uh, we've seen comebacks and game winners in the extra time. Um, day one, Nani, 97th minute, game winner against Inter-Miami. You know, that was the inaugural Florida Derby. We have also seen red cards such as Jack Price. We saw last night mouthing off to the referee, got a red card there. Albert Elise also saw another red card last night there. Um, potential hands to the face, push, punch, whatever you want to call it. We'll get into VAR later and the inconsistencies about it. We've also seen 20-year-old Ayo Akinola stealing his show with five goals and two games for Toronto FC and Josie Altidore's absence. And we've also seen a absolute shootout between a team that's playing right now when we're recording San Jose and Vancouver. San Jose won 4-3 with uh, Shea Salinas goal in the 98th minute. Mike D, with all that being said, all of us picked, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, every, everybody wants to see an expansion team do well. We've seen both Nashville FC and FC Dallas both go home due to double-digit coronavirus positive tests. So they both got home. So the only other expansion team is Inter-Miami. So obviously we want to see that team do well. And, you know, with the roster that they have and that they bring to MLS's back tournament, we thought that they may fare well. But really it's the other Florida team. It's Orlando. It's an Orlando team that's only won 11 games in like 60 or so games that they played, something like that. I forget the exact number, but something along that stat line. But young 23-year-old Chris Mueller is uh, carrying that team. What do you make of Orlando so far in this tournament? 
Surprising. Surprising for sure. Doing some research back on, on some of our other podcasts, looking at where Orlando has finished. They haven't finished, or I guess they have finished in the lower part of the table on the Western Conference side in the past three years, if, I'm, if I remember my research correctly. So a very underwhelming team when you look at them from a seasonal standpoint. Coming into this tournament, they've been very surprising. Like you said, Christian Mueller has been outstanding in my opinion. Nani has been outstanding in my opinion. And I think that a lot of teams may have had, or excuse me, not a lot of teams, but a lot of people may have had some, some speculation about them being maybe a dark horse coming into the tournament. And those speculations are coming to fruition. I think that they're going to go far. I think that they're playing great. I really like Joao Matunio as well on the defensive end. I think if they, if they continue this form, they're only going to improve. And I really do see them going far in this tournament. Yeah. Um, Chris Mueller. So from my understanding, he has not been called up to a U.S. men's national team camp, whether that's a January camp or whatever. Um, do you think that is a player that, you know, Greg Berhalter's at all these games, is that a player that Greg really needs to be looking at, especially on the right wing? I would say so. I think before I go any further, I, I think I said, did I say Christian Mueller? Sure. Chris, Chris Mueller. I think Chris his name Mueller. is Chris Mueller. I, I apologize. I think I said Christian Mueller in the beginning. However, to answer your question, I think so. I think the kid's hungry. I think he's he's – really looking to get after it. I think that Berhalter needs to definitely keep his eyes on him. And he absolutely can be an asset to the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, and it, it goes to be unsaid, you know, a player, excuse me, that, you know, a player that really works hard, you know, sometimes goes unnoticed. But it seems like Chris Mueller, he is one of the not he's not one of the he is the most hardworking player on the field every time I turn on an Orlando City FC game. And, you know, for a player that's that attacking and that works that hard, goals are going to come to you. And Chris Mueller has reaped that benefit. He has scored plenty of goals. He's got what it what three so far in two games in this tournament. Yep. Uh, you know, other than Akinola and Diego Rossi, he's up in the golden boot race, depending on how far they go. Uh, he could win the you know, he could win the golden boot, but I, I think he's a good player. But other than that, you know, they also have, I said in the beginning, and, you know, Poopus isn't here tonight, but he gave me a very hard time about saying that Nani was the best player in the Orlando and Inter-Miami game. But, I mean, he was, wasn't he? Absolutely. I agree. Um, without Nani on that field, obviously Chris Mueller is going to make a difference. However, in every game, I mean, they've played, I'm pretty sure they've played two games so far. Nani has been the difference maker. Without Nani on the field, Orlando is a totally different team. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, what do you think about, other than, you know, Nani is a great player. We've seen him play for Manchester United and Portugal internet, at the international level. But what do you think about Dom Dwyer playing up top and his style of play? and how different of a style of play that he plays than a lot of other strikers. I feel like you, you plugged this question on purpose. I did. I did. This, I did. You plugged I did. this I did. question on purpose because you know I'm passionate about it. Dom Dwyer has been very unimpressive to me. I have yet to see, honestly, anything good in this tournament from Dom Dwyer. The guy goes into tackles like a bull in a china shop, I'm not impressed. I'm absolutely not impressed. So I know you're not impressed, but look, strategically, if you play a guy like Dom Dwyer for 70 minutes and then you bring a guy in like Tesho that just signed a new contract extension, he scored a, a, a goal, two goals. Has he scored two? He scored a goal or two in this tournament. It's a complete change of pace. And, you know, whereas Dom Dwyer checks back, checks back into the midfield and will challenge the midfielders and will challenge every center back, that show literally runs along the lines 
and finds those gaps and makes those little slipped in diagonal runs behind them. So as much as we want to bash Dom, I think it's a part of Orlando's gameplay and their style of play that that's what they want to do. They want to wear down the center backs of the opposing team to then bring in the guy they just signed for brand new money to run in behind them. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I, if Dom Dwyer is out there listening, I hope this isn't a bash to you, but it, it absolutely seems as that's the case. Dom Dwyer, you run your ass off and, and you go out there and you wreck that back line for however long it, it may be. And then they bring Teshu in is we've talked about this. I, this guy's the secret weapon. He comes in and makes a difference. Honestly, in my opinion, he's better than Dom Dwyer. He's, he's proven to be so he, he's checked back into the, you know, he's, he's involved in the play much more. He's, it seems as though he's a smarter player, but to your point, absolutely. I think it is, probably part of their game plan and oh another goal sorry Chicago oh offside sorry but to your point yes it would only be smart that having Dom Dwyer as that player that is that bull in the china shop comes through wreaks havoc on that back line and then somebody like Tesho comes in who may have a little bit more technical technical abilities ability yeah he's been a difference maker. He has been a difference maker. You know, there's something to be said about super subs. There's absolutely something to be said about super subs. And just for me, when I was playing, you think about the amount of time that you get on the field. However, you make the most of the time that you get. And Tesho has done that for me. Yeah, he's been a difference maker for Orlando City. And I think that going forward, I think that we may find Dom Dwyer leaving Orlando, to be honest with you, next year or two. I'm not sure what that contract looks like, but I can foresee him leaving, especially with Tesho extending his contract. So, Orlando, they have six points, two wins, two games. Mike D, who else has looked good so far in this tournament in Orlando? Uh, obviously, the yellow soccer team. Go crew. Yeah, yellow soccer team has looked fantastic. Surprising, even if you will, you know, to quote Taylor Twelman. Um, other teams that have that have been impressive to me. Honestly, San Jose. San Jose has been very impressive to me. Um, Portland. I think they've been flying under the radar. You know, being in the group with the LA Galaxy and LAFC, I think they've been flying under the radar. They've been great so far, but the focus has been on on other teams in that in that group. And for me, it's I mean, I guess it's a good thing. It's it's a good thing for them, you know. I'm excited to see what they can do, but I think the most exciting, maybe I'm a little biased right now, but the most exciting team so far for me has been that, that yellow soccer team. They've come into this tournament. Jossie Zardes, struggling to score goals last year, is coming and he's, he's one of the, the contenders for the Golden Boot Race. And I'm, I'm very excited to see not only what they can do in this tournament, but also what they can do when the season starts back up. Yeah, the Columbus Crew just signed Lucas Celereon in this past offseason as a designated player. He scored two goals in two games. First goal was, um, you know, a free kick from 25 out. We highlighted a couple episodes ago from the right side, hit it near stick, curling like a banana, near stick off the post. Like a banana. Rick ricochets off the near post and goes back post in the back of the net. Last one was a one-time finish from uh, Et Derek Etienne Jr. Derek Etienne Jr. took it down the left side, played it across the middle uh, outside the 18, and Lucas Zellerion absolutely laced it with his – he laced it with his laces, obviously, uh, to, you know, again, the near stick. Absolute worm burner. Uh, you know, goalie had absolutely no chance. So they have Lucas Zellerion. They have Giassi Sardes. They have all the. They have those two guys. Plus, you have Darlington Nagby, 
in our tour in the midfield. The Columbus crew get to play against, who are they playing? Atlanta on Thursday. Atlanta has zero points, zero goals for. Columbus doesn't have a whole lot to play for. They've already got a, a guaranteed spot. What do you think is going to happen in that game? Atlanta's been underwhelming with the, with the loss of – with Joseph Martinez, with obviously, you know, Al Marone being out and in and, and the EPL now. They're relying on P.T. Martinez and uh, Escobar. They have been, for lack of a better term, trash. <laughs> for lack of a better term, trash. You watched the game against Cincy. And credit to Cincy. Sitting in, you know, I, I, was, I didn't watch the game. I had the game on in my earbuds. And listening to that game, Taylor Twelman talking about it, and every now and again getting a chance to actually turn the game on, that was a snoozer. However, however. Cincy sat in and we talk about the MLS versus the EPL and we talk about the quality of play and tactics. Sometimes in my opinion, you watch the MLS and you think it's, it's, it's running gun. It's fast paced. However, you watch that game. If you go back and look at it, since he sat in and they, they held their shape and in the end it paid off and, and they took a, they took a dub over ATL and, that's huge for them. Yeah, as much as you want to bash a team like FC Cincinnati at that point, but, you know, Jop Stom, he knew what he was doing. You know, you – obviously, you just talked about the EPL. You know, if Arsenal's playing West Brom, like West Brom's going to sit in or Wigan is going to sit in. Whoever the team is, like I'm obviously wearing an Arsenal jersey right now, as you can see, but everybody that's listening, you guys can't see it. But, like, if you're an elite team, Mike D's a Liverpool fan. If you're a Liverpool fan and you're playing West Ham, West Ham is going to sit in, and it's going to be counterattacking football for that team. And if you can sit in, sit in, sit in, you have one player that sits high and makes good runs off of clearances, good things happen. That's not necessarily how the FC Cincinnati game went. You know, it wasn't a goal off of a clearance. Eventually, uh, there was a red card against Atlanta, so there was a numerical advantage, and there was a numerical advantage throughout most of the game. But FC Cincinnati – throughout all of the bashing that they got on social media. And even Taylor Twelman himself, you know, he didn't really want to say it, but I know he thought it. They really, they withstood, it wasn't even pressure. They just withstood the flow of the game. And where we're at now with soccer, like we just talked about it with Kellen Acosta, you know, 60 minutes in, things look a little bit different. And at about the 60-minute mark is when we saw Cincinnati flip the switch. And their, um, their line, their defensive line, came forward to about the midfield. And they started to really attack, and they started to possess in the other team's half and the other team's third. And we eventually saw Frankie Amaya score the game winner to give Jop Stom his first win in the MLS. So, you know, I know we're talking about Cincinnati right now, so, you know, despite the bashing that they got on social media and everything, it looked okay. It's why we call it the beautiful game, Chuck. It's why we call it the beautiful game. Tactics they really are huge. Tactics are huge. And, you know, you watch a game and you're like, oh, I'm bored. I'm bored. This is going nowhere. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. 60-minute mark hits. Like you said, the line moves up a little bit. Things start to get a little bit more aggressive. All it takes is one shot. So since he sits in, they sit in, they absorb the pressure, and they look for their shot, and they got it with Frankie Amaya. Great left-footed shot, about 25 yards out. Brad Guzan, second fiddle behind Zach Steffen, couldn't get it, outstretched right arm, could not reach the ball. So before we dive deeper into FC Cincinnati, we've, talked, we've touched on a couple of undefeated teams. We've talked about Orlando. We've talked about the Columbus Crew. What do we think about Portland? Have we talked about Portland yet? A little bit. Um, I talked about the fact that they – I feel like they've been flying under the radar in that group, like with LAFC and LA Galaxy. Those, those are the teams to highlight, obviously. But obviously they're 
doing just fine. <laughs> There's no problems with them right now. And in my opinion, I, I think that Sebastian Blanco has been fantastic. Diego Valeria, I, I made a comment yesterday when we were watching the game, how I thought it was time for him to retire. <laughs> but the man comes out and, and he and he hits a pump fake shot and, and drags it across the score goal. And then I, you know, I ate those words. So I think that they're, I think that they're, they're excited. It's still an exciting team to watch. I think that they're, there's some questionable players on that team. However, I think that they could, they could surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I think they can too. I mean, they're a very solid team. So you just spoke about Valeri. Valeri, you think is, you know, it's his time to retire. Valeri's still a filthy player. I'm not going to agree with you there. Can. I ate my word. Yeah. So earlier in this podcast, when it was me, Koopas, and Dak, I said, I said that Pipa was going to make a difference. Little Iguain, Frederico Iguain was going to make a difference for DC United. And they were like, oh, no, he's just, you know, he's a player coach. He's going to be like Rooney at Derby County, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, look, we're two games in. Guy's got two goals. First goal, chip. Let me get some chips with the dip. Let me get a little bit of guac, a little salt on the side. Make it a little spicy for me. I'd love that. Yeah. So, anyways, people with the chip. And then last night, bad pass back to the goalkeeper against New England. Takes a touch around the goalie. Easy finish. Guy comes in and works his ass off at 35-plus years old. I do not want to hear the nonsense about these older players can't play in the MLS. Frederico Iguain is still a top player in the MLS. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I was, uh, I was honestly, to be real, I was a little shocked when I heard that he scored his first goal um, with D.C., but – after watching it, I was like, you know, <laughs> this man should have, he should have held up the finger to his mouth just to silence the haters and to silence everybody that's been talking about how, you know, he's almost too, too old to be playing, but he comes out, he gets a little chippa for a little pipa. And then he comes in and like you said, he works hard, gets after it and picks up a, a garbage pass and scores another goal. So hats off to him. Yeah, and both goals have been key goals. The very first goal that he scored in the tournament was a chip goal against Toronto FC after the game had to be delayed because Toronto apparently refused to get off to the buses or something like that. But Pipa came out, came off the bench in the 70-plus minute and just chipped the goalie like it was nothing. Like It's, he, it's like he did in, in Matt Free Stadium for the crew in 2018. You know, And then he came in this game and like it was nothing, took a touch around the goalkeeper and just got a bucket. So, you know, although D.C. United doesn't have any wins yet, they still have two points, and they have an opportunity this next week to beat Montreal and move into the next round. Uh, if, they, if they get a W here, they move into the next round with five points. Uh, if they don't win, things are dangerous for them. Uh, they, they can't tie and prob- – they, they probably can't tie and get in. They cannot lose and get in. They got to get a W. Montreal's winless in this tournament so far under Thierry Henry. Uh, ben Olsen and crew for DC United, they got to get a W. Absolutely. 100%. While we segue, San Jose, another goal. Almost positive was Wando. God, that guy's so old, man. I Captain love it. Fucking America over here. I love Excuse it. my language. That's, that, that's two goals. In the, that's... This man just came in the game, and I'm pretty sure he just scored a goal. I need to watch this replay really quickly. Please pause, listeners. Everybody hold on for a second while Mike Delaney watches this. Everybody Everybody hold on while Mike Delaney watches this this replay. Sit tight. It's Wando. Header off the cross. Near stick. Cool as you like. Cool as you like. Get another one. It's absolutely confirmed. It's Wando. So, as we segue, confirmed. We talk about teams that are impressive. We talk about teams that we think are going to do well. Who's been disappointing so far to you? Off top, you know I'm a crew fan. Been a crew fan. Born and raised in Columbus. Little bias. Yeah, you, 
you know, usually, you know, usually our rivals are DC, New York Red Bulls, now FC Cincinnati. But the team that I dislike more than any other team is Atlanta. <laughs> Go Atlanta, on. Atlanta, Atlanta has come in here and shit the bed, Chuck. Absolutely shit the bed. PT Martinez, I watched the replay. This man gets inside the 18 <laughs> and he fucking kicks the ground. Red card, red card on the field. It's ridiculous. It's, I mean, how bad is that? Zero, zero points, zero points in two games, zero goals in two games. Okay, yeah, I understand you're without Joseph Martinez, but like, if you're an MLS team, you got to be able to, you know, you got to fill the, you got to fill the voids. You got to be able to compete. Well, you hate to compare them, however. Taylor Twelman has done this, and w- especially without Trafico being last night, it's like the LAFC situation. Am I going to compare Atlanta to LAFC? Absolutely not. But just to speak on your point, Vela's been out, didn't come to the tournament. Wife said, and they've been baby. fine. They've been, been just fine. fine. Diego Rossi has five goals. Yeah. So we've talked about this in earlier podcasts, where I think it was right before we got into the tournament, talking about who is going to perform, who you want to see perform, who's not on teams where other players have to step up. Atlanta has done a very poor job of, of capitalizing on that opportunity. Speaking directly to your point about them absolutely shitting the bed. Yeah. You got PT and Barco and, you know, unfortunately up top, like you got, you know, you got JJ Williams just got a red card for cleaning a guy in, excuse my language in the balls inside inside the box and then you have a guy like Adam John that used to play for the crew like he's not going to score goals for you you do not have a replacement and you know and credit not credit but to Atlanta's defense there's no replacement for Joseph Martinez there's not absolutely unless you unless you've got some guy on your bench that plays similar to him or or whatever but there is no replacement for Joseph Martinez all right so other disappointing teams Seattle I had a hot take. Poopas put me on the spot with the hot take about the Golden Boot winner and striker for Seattle Sounders, Jordan Morris. And I've been just leveled, absolutely leveled. Seattle has been, as, as I said earlier about another team, underwhelming. Zero points, no wins. They're out. See you later. Have a good one. See you next time. You know, the, the, the MLS champs coming into the tournament and just doing absolutely nothing to show that they were the 2019 MLS champions. I don't know what yeah. else to say about it. I think that's, that all speaks for itself. Yeah, so they do have one point. They tied San Jose. Who oh, did watching they? Right? Yeah, they tied San Jose 0-0 on Friday the 10th of July. Uh, San Jose plays a very unique style with a, you know, man-to-man marking style. I guess what I was trying they, to say, zero points, zero wins. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I understand. So they have zero wins. They have one point in this tournament so far. They lost to Chicago 2-1. to one. They're having a – through two games, they've scored one goal. Granted, they've only given up two, but they're having a very hard time scoring goals with Rui Diaz up front and Ladero in their midfield and Jordan Morris out wide. This is the defending MLS championship team, MLS Cup champs. How are they having such a difficult time scoring goals in a tournament like this against San Jose and Chicago? I think that because because neither of those teams, player by player, are better than Seattle is. No, no shot. No, no. But we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I don't think that the teams in the MLS get as much credit as they probably should. The playing field is is is. I mean, at least right now, watching this MLS is back, and it may be due to the circumstances. There's been a long time off from soccer. Everybody's excited to get back. San Jose, in my opinion, has looked great. And Seattle maybe having a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. 
there's other teams out there that are, are hungry. I mean, Seattle, they're, they're the champs. They, they've won it all. Like I said, they, they probably have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So sometimes you need to be knocked down a peg. And there's other teams in, in the league and in this tournament that are like, okay, well, we have to prove something. And, I mean, watching the game right now and watching, you know, the absolute shootout that was San Jose's previous game, it looks like they have something to prove. And I think that some of these, these what some would refer to as lower-level teams in the MLS, people are ready to play. Yeah. No, I agree. And for San Jose, like I had touched on previously, like their tactical lineup is completely different than any other team that we've ever seen. We haven't seen a team line up and defend another team man-to-man and specifically mark that man. And, you know, San Jose does, you know, they, they will leave a center back free. And sometimes you will see a center back drift and the center back will drift and that will leave some space open for the attacking team. And from an analytical point of view, that's where the opposing team can slide in and play a player through diagonally through that gap in the back. Um, but that's about the only player that they leave free is one of the, one of the center backs. They don't pick somebody. So San Jose has, has looked really, really good and really disciplined and, you know, has for the past year and a half under Almeida. So another team, another, another team in the West that hasn't looked good. We've talked Go about them before. We've talked about them before, you know. Go ahead. Oh, Trafico was last night, and they lost six to two. Six to two. Six to two. They also lost their opening match. Chicharito did open in. Did did they lose their first match? I'm pretty sure they lost their first match. If they didn't talk, I can't remember. I think they lost their first match. Anyways, Chicharito opened his account, but man, they did lose. They lost to Houston two to one. They don't look good. No, they Granite, don't. Granite Dos Santos isn't there. Granite Katai isn't out wide. Granite Chicharito wasn't there this last game in the El Trafico. They look absolutely terrible. Is it time for Guillermo Barrascoloto to go and leave town? I think so. I mean, we saw some of the tweets and some of the memes of, of, of GBS sitting on the sideline. And and the caption being, some say the man's still sitting there. <laughs> oh, hysterical. However, yes, I think that you need something different, whether it's from a from a from a coaching standpoint. Um, honestly, in my opinion, I think it's from a striker standpoint, attacking standpoint. But yes, I think that just like we see all the time, if it, if if it's not working. You got to go and you got to, you got to reformat and, and you got to fix it. And in my opinion, I think that you got to get rid of GBS and you, you got to bring on Robbie Keane. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But God damn it, it's broken. It's broken. You got a team in LA with one of the biggest markets in America, one of the biggest soccer markets in America. You have to get rid of Guillermo Barrascoloto. If you don't win this tournament, Honestly, if you're LA Galaxy, I didn't think they were. But if you don't win the tournament, it's a failure. You are one of the biggest marketed teams in the MLS. You, LAFC, New York Red Bulls, NYCFC. There are some huge market teams out there that we've talked to on our past on our past podcasts. That there is pressure on you. You know, there is there is pressure in LA Galaxy. I don't. I don't give a damn if they don't feel the pressure right now. History says that they need to feel the pressure. You had a guy like David Beckham play for your club. And at that point, it was the biggest club in the MLS. And at this point, 10 years later, you guys are a laughing stock of the MLS under Guillermo Barros-Coloto. You got to go. David Beckham, Robbie Keane, Landon Donovan. Got to go. on the same squad. The LA Galaxy would be what you would refer to as the golden child of the MLS. But where have they been? Where have they been? They have been non-existent. Obviously, last year with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you bring on the the schnoz 
and he comes in and absolutely just destroys it. Great, fantastic. But you've got to be able to adjust. He's gone. he's gone. And now that he's gone, they're right back to where they were before they had him. Or they didn't have him, excuse me. And even if, if Dos Santos comes back, there still needs they, – they need something that's going to be a difference maker up front. Last year they can, had – You cannot have Perry Kitchen in your midfield. No. Anybody. Perry Kitchen couldn't play for most Sunday league teams. No, absolutely not. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And I think GBS has got to go. I'd love to see Robbie Keane come in. <clears throat> and he's expressed interest in an interview talking about how if he was ever offered the position, he would love to, to step in and manage the, the LA Galaxy. And I think that it brings, it brings a, a different dynamic to – the the club when you have a player or former player that comes in and manages the team. Yeah, so speaking on Robbie Keane to talk about, to give you guys a, a full quote on what Mike Delaney is actually talking about, full quote from Robbie Keane, down the line, yes, absolutely, referring to coaching for LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy is a team that, as you know, I absolutely love. The people there are great. The country itself, I love. My family, and I loved it there. It's certainly a place that means a lot to me. I guarantee that we see Robbie Keane coaching the LA Galaxy within the next six months. Hot take. You heard it here first. MLS has gone wild. MLS has gone wild. I think the MLS is fixed. <laughs> so, great segue into MLS is fixed, right? So, let's talk about the Colorado game last night. So, last night, so, first of all, shout out to our man, Kellen Acosta, with the absolute banger in the sixth minute. Left foot, one time, curler, near stick, left foot, weak foot, banger, goal time. I'm pretty sure I heard him screaming before he even scored the goal. Absolutely love it. So, he scored the first goal, go up 1-0. Anyways, later on in the game, they end up with two red cards. So, one red card was, what is the fella's name? Danny Wilson. He took down Kyrie Shelton. Dumb foul. Absolute red card. Denied an obvious goal-scoring chance. Sure, fine with it. Um, next, we get, a, we get a penalty kick. Penalty kick, handball, and the box. What do you feel about that call, Chuck? I'm, I'm um, unsure. I'm shocked. I'm uh, pretty sure it was Diego Rubio. Uh, right inside yes, the 18, it was. Right inside the 18, a cross was played in. Diego Rubio jumps up to defend it. He turns his back, I'm pretty sure, and as he turns his back, it hits off of his hand in such a way that, in my opinion, it's not, it's not a red – it's, it's not a PK. I'm, I'm, I was shocked, absolutely shocked at the call, and there have been many calls that, are, that have been questionable, but in that one, I, I, didn't, I didn't agree with it. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with it either. Uh, so, you know, we, we, like I just said, we saw the red card. We saw that. Then we also saw the red card that was a, you know, Jack Price was apparently mouthing off to the referee. You know, this game was aired on ESPN. You know, with the Fox Sports games, we see, you know, the enhanced audio with the, the crowd noise, the enhanced crowd noise. ESPN says that they got microphones in the ground on the sideline, yada, yada, yada. But we don't hear what Jack Price said to the referee and you're just going to give this man a red, and I don't even get to hear what he said to the goddamn guy? You can't do it. And, 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 and to Jack Price's point, like, you're, you completely change the game when you give a team two red cards. That's two players that are down. Granted, Jack Price already had one red card, but you're going to give another red card. I mean, granted, like, if, if he deserved it, okay, fine. But is it an ego trip? I don't know. Like, what did he say to you? You're both grown men. It's I mean, a soccer game. At the, at the end of the day, this is the MLS. This is major league soccer we're talking about. We're talking about grown adults. We're talking about men on the field. A, a man said something to another man, and granted, I didn't hear it, so I'm not entirely sure. However, I think that there's, there's players that, that say stuff all the time and probably – and I, again, I don't know what he said, but I'm sure the players have said foul things to referees 
and probably he had to have said something about his mother. Uh, he he probably said <laughs> your mother. But your mother. <laughs> absolutely foul things have been said to referees, and they've they've gone away, and you know they they shrug it off. And as a referee, I think that that's what you're supposed to do, given the circumstances. And I mean, like you said, you you change the dynamic of the game. Colorado came into that game. We talked to Kellen Acosta after the loss, and we saw it all over the TV. They they weren't the team that they knew that they were. They or they didn't come up. They didn't show up the way that they knew that they could show up, and it was apparent in the post game interviews and in, in talking with Kellen Acosta on the on the podcast previous to this one. They knew that they could come out and they could display something better. And in the beginning stages of that game, in my opinion, they had they were doing it. They they looked like they had made an adjustment. They looked like they were fired up. Kellen Acosta comes in and scores a goal early, and you think that. You know, there's a feeling of well, maybe, maybe they were, maybe, you're, maybe they're right. You know, maybe they, they really do have something that nobody has seen yet, and we're going to see it tonight. And then I think the referee, in my opinion, honestly, obviously the first red card, I, I totally see it, I get it. But everything that followed that red card, absolute rubbish. Yeah, you really, as a fan of the game and as somebody that understands the game. And that's you and I both played the game at a collegiate level. The last thing that you want to see is a referee decide how the game ends up, the end result of the game. You don't want the referee to decide that. And I feel like that's kind of how that game ended. On top of the second red card, you know, we talked about the two red cards that Colorado had. We talked about the penalty kick that, you know, Padula ended up scoring against Colorado for Sporting Kansas City to tie the game up, I believe, at that point. Graham Zussi apparently scored a goal. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Love that. I, I, am, I am literally so pissed off about how they gave this man the goal. I don't know how you shoot I don't know how you shoot the ball wide of the goal. It takes deflection off of one of the Colorado players off of their shin because they're trying to block it from going wide for a corner kick or for a goal kick, and it chips their goalie, and somehow it's Graham Susie's goal, and somehow MLS is like, oh, he's the player of the match because he scored the game winner. He did not score the game-winning goal. I'm sick and tired of the MLS. I'm sick and tired of them trying to just I, – I just, I just hate it. I, I don't even know I'm sick and tired of I'm just sick and tired of that. Graham Zussi did not score that goal. He literally kicked the ball wide. The defender put his leg out to block it. And it accidentally hit his shin and not his shin, his ankle, and chipped his own goalie. Well, I think what you're talking about, and I think it's a great point, is they're, they're, they're finding a way to decide the man of the match in a way that doesn't make sense. What you want to see is an analytical standpoint of, okay, who was the best player on the field throughout the game? Balas Abubakar. Okay, fantastic. And that's, you know, something that you want to see from, you know, an analytical standpoint. However, I think that, like you said, they, they gave this man the man of the match. Not to say that Zussi played bad. I just think that it was, oh, he scored the game-winning goal, gave the man the man of the match. No, I think you need to – you look at it more analytical than that. And like you said, you know, Lawless Wubakar, you want to see – give me some highlights of – a specific player throughout the match and why they were the player of the match. Okay. So I, I'm not going to make this argument, but I'm going to make this argument. So Kellen Acosta, I'm not going to say he was the man of the match, but please show me something that Graham Zussi did in that game. That was better than Kellen Acosta's strike that made more of a difference in the game other than the kick that he kicked wide of the goal that eventually chipped his goalkeeper. Like I can't even deal with it. It's, it's, it's absolute nonsense. The fact that, the, the fact that ESPN would even air that Graham Zussi is the man of the match of that game is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Let me get off my high horse, Chuck. Let me, let me get off here because okay. I'm, I'm going to go all in. <laughs> step, off the, step off the soapbox here for a minute. Okay, so, like, so since you guys have heard, I have a problem with some of the refereeing and some of the decisions that have been made in this tournament. Albert DeLeese. There was also a decision made in the Houston game last night. Albert Elise had a red card. 
Oh, it was a sec. It was a second yellow. Second yellow yeah. I I don't. I do not agree. There was a red card. Our ex co-host Dakota and I. We didn't get into it, but we talked about it early. We discussed it. We respectfully disagreed with each other. Albert Elise was not necessarily looking at the ball, but I he barely touched the defender's face. Like barely. It's not a second yellow in my hand. In my eyes, it's. It. it, it I mean, it's probably a foul. Not another yellow. Not a red card. Again, you change the game when you give a red. Not a red. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And it goes back to what has been, in my opinion, some pretty wild inconsistencies in the referee. You know, you see the second yellow from Elise with the hands to the face. Absolutely, I don't agree with it. You see a very similar play in the Colorado game with, with Nicholas Benazay, hands to the face, gets a yellow card. Almost I, almost identical. Elise is getting the ball, or he's getting the ball played, played to him, and as he's turning and running towards the ball, in an effort to get past the person, his hand swipes ever so lightly across this man's face. And they give him a second yellow immediately after he got his first yellow, sending the man off with a red card, not able to play next game. They don't even go back and look at it. I think you have to go back, you know, or somebody somewhere who's watching this game in terms of a VAR standpoint has to raise the red flag and say, okay, hold on, hold on a second. We need to, we need to take a look here. These guys are watching the game from a private room all game long and you're going to tell me that this, this, this man in the, in the, in the room said, Oh, Nope. Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. Second yellow. Give this man a red. In my opinion, it, it wasn't a second yellow. Like I said, you see the second, this, the second instance of this with the Colorado game, Nicholas Benazet hands to the face. This man gets a yellow. Everybody thought it was a red card. He gets a yellow. So pretty wild inconsistency here with, the refereeing with the VAR and things of that nature. Let's get into something happy because we've been on that topic for way too long. All right. Golden boot winners. All right. So me, look, if you go back like four or five podcasts, I picked Diego Rossi to win it. You know, I, at that, you know, at that point I was still crediting in, uh, uh, Carlos Vela playing on the right side and Diego, uh, Diego Rossi being on the left, but you know, Carlos Vela ain't here. Diego Bassi, Diego Rossi. I was trying to say Diego Bossi because he bagged four last night. Diego Rossi bagged four goals last night in El Trafico, five total in two games, two and a half goals a game. Was, I look like I'm a I look like I'm a genius at this point. You do, you know? And um, you know, yeah, yeah. If there's anything that I've seen recently, some of your predictions are, are pretty good. Pretty, pretty spot on. And uh, don't don't give me too much credit now, Charles. I'm trying not to, but you know, it's it, you did call the Diego Rossi, and something about El Trafico obviously is different. I think a lot of it for me comes down to the environment. You know, playing in LA, playing with the fans, the environment is explosive, and obviously we don't have that now in Orlando. However, last night as you're watching LAFC play against LA Galaxy, I said it was going to be a blowout. My predictions have been awful, terrible. You know, Jordan Morris being the gold boot winner, no goals. Um, you know, blowout LAFC versus, you know, LA Galaxy, inaccurate. Just, just I'm, I've been awful. So I'm, I'm due for one here soon. But you watch the game, and, and in the beginning of the game, I was, I, was so, I was so certain that it was going to be a blowout. You know, Chicharito not playing. Dos Santos is out. They haven't looked great. LAFC has, is looking just as good as ever, even without Carlos Vela. And so I thought it was going to be an absolute smasher. But LA Galaxy come out and they scored their first goal. Granted, it was a deflection off of uh, Latif Blessing. Kind of unfortunate there to get their first goal early on. And then it was kind of a battle back and forth. And I didn't think that LAFC looked that great. I thought LA Galaxy was, was taking it to them. And then something changed. Something changed with the LA. They, 
They have scored nine goals in two games. I cannot stress that enough. I know we're at the back end of our podcast, so I don't know how many people are still listening, but nine goals in two games is absolutely astounding. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, I, when they scored that first goal and, and the way that they were playing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is going to be not what I expected it. Diego Rossi comes out and he scores four, I think, right? Yeah, four goals last four night. Goals. Four, four freaking goals. Four. Four. Not, not one, not two, not three, four. four. Um, and so, you know, you, you talk about your prediction. I think that it's it. You know, if, if he's got any – I mean, it's, I guess it's still a little early to say, but LAFC is not losing any steam. You know, so you can talk about, you know, Akinola or you talk about Chris Miller or you talk about, uh, you know, Jossie Zardes or anybody else that may come up, but LAFC is not losing steam. So I only, I only envision Diego Rossi is going to score more goals. Yeah, one thing that we need to take into account is how good Diego Rossi is. The man is, the man is nice, okay? Look, he's, what, he's 20-ish years old. I'm not exactly sure how old he is. But he is an elite player in the MLS. You know, unfortunately, sometimes he gets overshadowed by Carlos Vela. But he's one of the best players, like one of probably the top five players in the MLS. So people, you know, this tournament might be able to put a little bit of respect on his name. Five goals in two games is astounding. LAFC has nine in two games, astounding. Akinola, A.O. Akinola, five goals, two games. Just like Diego Rossi. Okay. So far, five goals, two games, Ayo Akinola. You ever heard that name before? Not until he scored those three goals. Okay. Who's he, who is he replacing in Toronto? My Josie out Josie out the door. That's right. He's replacing Josie out the door. Josie doesn't want to play because of the heat. Apparently, that's that's the reasoning behind everything. He doesn't want to play because of the heat. And Ayo Akinola has fully capitalized. He scored one of the games of the one of the goals of the tournament thus far. I am absolutely astonished at how well he has played. Mike Delaney, he is also uh, a Nigerian and Canadian native. Am I correct? I think you're correct. Okay, yeah. And he's also eligible to be a U.S. men's national team player. He's played for the you know youth academy squad as well um, he's never played for the Nigerian or Canadian national squads only the U.S. Men's national team national squad but the youth team so I I I hope that Akinola continues this you know this is something that when we initially got into this tournament we were hoping that this tournament would do something along these lines you know we saw Sebastian Berhalter bring not bring but um do his play his first shift as a starter for the Columbus Crew FC. We've seen Ayuakanola drop five goals in two games. We've seen a lot of homegrown players make their debuts for teams across the MLS. This is something that we hoped that would happen throughout the MLS's back term, and it's something that's coming to fruition. You know, Akinola, I hope that he makes his you know, I, I hope he makes a decision that, you know, has the U.S. men's national team in, in his favor, and I hope that he plays the U.S. men's national team. Josie, I think Josie may be looking for another job, to be honest with you. What do you think? Looking for another job in terms of – in terms Akinola of, took a spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that Josie needs to be worried. Um, maybe, maybe it's a little early to say that. Maybe I'm being a little ambitious. But the kid's got what it takes. You, you take Josie out and you obviously have seen what the kid can do and you don't, you, you don't even think about Josie. So I, I think that in a sense, while Josie has been fantastic, maybe you need to start worrying a little bit about your, your starting job there, lad. Yeah. And, you know, if you're Toronto, maybe you think about how much general allocation money or tactical allocation money you can get for him, you know, because you can get money for Josie. Right. Other than Josie and Diego Rossi, you know, we weren't necessarily talking about Josie. We were talking about Io Akinola and his five goals. So we're talking about the golden boot race. Other than those two, they both have five. 
Jassy Zardes, three goals. Chris Mueller, three goals for Orlando City. Another player? Doesn't have three, has two. Pipa. Pipa. Talked about it earlier in the podcast. Talked about it earlier in the podcast. Federico Iguain, two goals, one chip over the goalkeeper. Let me get a little chip with the dip boy. And then next one, a little touch around the goalkeeper, saucy. I'm uh, just going to slot it home. He's a player that a lot of people wrote off and, you know, two goals and MLS is back. You know, people are like, oh, you know, how credible is MLS back tournament? Like these players haven't played in four months and you've got these old guys coming out here and scoring. I don't give a damn. Pipa is the real deal, was the real deal with the crew. Player coach at D.C. United, still the real deal. Listen, you can't teach heart. Can't. You can't teach heart. And so while we, I still like, I feel like we have some some time to go, there may seem up. I mean, all it takes is one game. You know, you saw it. Rossi scored four four goals last night. So while this this golden boot race is is tight, I would say, at any given moment, someone could snap, and it might be the thirty five year old. All right. So Mike D, you picked Jordan Morris to be your golden boot winner. Okay. From the jump, do you have any adjustments? Do I have any adjustments? It feels unfair to make an adjustment now. Make if an I, adjustment. I'm here for make, it. If I could make an adjustment, I would have to say Diego Rossi. I would have to. You know, LAFC, like I said, is they're not losing any steam. They're only, their confidence is only getting better, or, you know, is only boosted by the wins and by the goals that have been scored. They're a fantastic soccer team. I think that Diego Rossi – scores two in his next game. I think that he's just going to absolutely separate himself from the pack. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. I'm going to stick with Diego Rossi, just like my T just said. Um, not going to disagree because it was my original statement. He's got five in two games. Io Akinola, shouts to you in Toronto. I hope you guys go far. I hope you continue scoring goals. I hope you prove me wrong. I hope you get 10. But I'm taking Diego Rossi. I don't think L.A. is going to win this whole thing. I originally picked Seattle. You know who I'm taking now, Chuck? Colorado. <laughs> no. No, I'm not taking Colorado, man. They can't even make it to the knockout rate, the, the knockout stages. I'm talking I'm, – I'm taking the yellow soccer team, the, the yellow, Columbus crew. Yeah. They got to win it all. I got a Nagby jersey on the way. Mike D's got a Zellerion jersey on the way. Black jersey, three stripes on our shoulder, yellow ones. Um it's going to be big time. Can't wait to wear it. Can't wait to wear it on these Zoom calls for our podcasts. Mike D, do you have any closing thoughts about the MLS's back tournament or anything to leave our fans with? No, just I'm, I'm excited to see, to touch on what you said, the yellow soccer team, what they can do not only in this tournament, but what they can do outside of this tournament. Taylor Twelman talked about it a little bit. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they've been surprising. Jossie Dardes, who struggled to score goals last year, has scored two goals in his first game, one goal in his second, and who knows what's going to happen when they play again. I'm, I'm excited to see them do well. And, and, you know, maybe I'm being a little ambitious, but, but raise that cup at the end of the year. To be the best team in this kind of tournament and in, in this season that is so strange because of COVID-19 and everything that's going on is, you know, you have to be the most deep team. And the Columbus crew have, you know, they started players that they've never started before. Chris Caden at right back, Sebastian Berhalter in the center midfielder in place of our tour. Like, they're starting guys that would never start. Well, not that they wouldn't ever start, but guys they wouldn't start in a regular season. Um, but these games matter, so it basically is the regular season. But, you know, with this five-sub rule, things have changed in the MLS and things have changed in the landscape of soccer around the world. So... I think the Columbus crew is the most deep team in the league. And I think that the Columbus crew is going to take this thing. I'll support them till I die. Uh, that's, that's, that's my yellow soccer team. We all cheer for a yellow soccer team. That's correct. All right. Well, guys, we've uh, dug pretty deep into everything that's happened in the first 12 days of MLS is back. It's been long. It's been um, a, a pretty dive, a deep dive into everything that's happened. Um, guys, until next time, 
you guys keep enjoying the, the soccer that's going on. We got about another two weeks of this whole thing. Keep on cheering on your favorite team. Keep on tweeting about it. We'll be following. You guys listen on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Give us a follow on your social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MLS Gone Wild, wherever you guys are. From Mike D and I, Poopus is out in Hawaii enjoying his time, uh, just taking, t- taking a day off from us. You guys take it easy. Stay home. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. Catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to MLS Gone Wild. Peace.